Good morning. Good to see you this morning. We are starting the message series that was just introduced because our understanding of who God is uh, touches every part of our life. So you may not be surprised to find out that you come to church and we're going to talk about God. That's what we're going to do. And uh, particularly what we're going to do is dig into the Bible and find out what God has to say about himself because we believe that the Bible is God's autobiography where he, he told us people that he made who he really is. And it's the only really reliable source for getting to know who he, he is for real. Uh, if you haven't decided yet that the Bible is, is all of that, then we, we invite you to look into what it says uh, about God over these next several weeks with us and then continue the investigation. I think this will be a, a, a big help uh, as we dig into these messages to, to see some of the key aspects of God's nature and character that guide uh, those who believe uh, in the way they live. So that's what we're going to dig into. If, if we can really grasp who God is, it has a dramatic impact on our lives. It changes us, and it changes the way that we approach to life. Um, <clears throat> it changes our relationships, everything about life. As we come to know who He is and translate in, that into our thoughts, our words, and, and what we do. Uh, this series is primarily going to focus on God's character and nature that sets the backdrop uh, for all of life. So in, in the following weeks, we're going to answer these, these questions. Who is God and why does it matter? What difference does it make to us? And what we're going to find out is it means everything. It, it, effect, it, it affects everything that's going on in our lives. We're going to particularly look at four aspects of God's character and nature. Uh, first one, God is love, and then three omnis. In, in theology, these are omnis. Omnipotent, omniscient, and omni... Um, sorry, I think, yeah, omniscient and uh, omnipresent. Three omnis. He is, he is love. God is love. He is all-powerful, He is all-knowing, and He's everywhere at once. In other words, we sang a song about God's glory filling the earth. He, he is not tied to the dimensions that we live in here, but he, he has the ability, because of who He is, to fill the entire universe with His presence. Uh, so He's everywhere at once. God is love. Knowing God changes us. And those who really know him love with his kind of love. We're going to look at that today. When, when you have God's love, nothing else is needed. He's all-powerful. This is a big help. When we need strength, when we need motivation to do right, when we want to do what lies before us, knowing that God is all-powerful and we can get on his side and tap into his power makes all the difference. Nothing is wasted in our experience. If we learn to work with him through uh, the trouble and through the ups and downs, ins and outs of everyday life, as, as he supplies what we need. Uh, he's all-knowing. Now, that, that has a scary side, doesn't it? I don't know about you, but God is all-knowing. That's somewhat scary, and we're going to talk about 
the scary side of that. But if you walk with God, the fact that God is all-knowing really helps us to realize that nothing surprises Him. Nothing surprises or takes Him off guard. And so as we handle the flow of life, He's not surprised and He, he can help us respond and as He works it into His plan and purpose for us. So nothing surprises. He is everywhere at once. Uh, since He is present everywhere in the world and all-powerful, nothing else prevails. Wherever we are, right then and there, God's there. He's with us and He, he can guide us. So understanding these right, the right ideas about God's character and nature is crucial because it has a ripple effect. You know, you drop a pebble in a, in a pond, a quiet, smooth, glassy pond, and it ripples, it ripples out, the, the little ripples, the waves ripple out from it. Well, the right ideas about God, who He is, has that same kind of ripple effect uh, in our lives. First, it impacts our view of ourselves. You know, your understanding of God makes a big impact on how you look at yourself, who you think you are. And, um, then it impacts those closest to us, and then it ripples out uh, toward the rest of life. And so this, what we're talking about in this series, very, very important for our everyday lives. Knowing who God really is, not just random ideas about Him that we've collected, can actually lead to better relationships, uh, better self-image, better decisions, and an overall more effective life as we walk on. So today, we're talking about love, a topic at the center of our needs as human beings, and it, 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 it actually is a description that the Bible uses of God Himself. God is love. We're going to look at that passage. And what you find is, now you may never have given much thought to this, but there is no love in the world without God. In other words, God made the world. And if He wasn't who He is, we would not experience love. We, we wouldn't know what it is. It would not exist. Because it flows out of His character. The passage that we're looking at, we're going to keep walking through 1 John 4, 7 through 11. And that passage was written by John, one of Jesus' disciples, one of the twelve, one of the three closest to him in the twelve. And he spent three years with Jesus and watched him demonstrate God's love. Jesus showed up on earth, he came from heaven, stepped into our world, and he lived in a way that was sort of like a how-to video, uh, but a real-life example of that. And he shows us who God is, what his love is like, and how it is. And then this is what John says after he spent those, that time with Jesus, after, died and was, after he died and was resurrected to life. This is what John says. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God... There's no love in the world without God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. God is the source of all love. And I was thinking about it, you know, uh, the idea here of, of being the source of all love is, is like a fountainhead. And I was thinking of splash pads. Splash pads are cool. 
I mean, those things are awesome, aren't they? You just, the kids, you know, on the concrete, there are little fountains everywhere, and it just, the water just bubbles up from the different fountains that are created in a way that's really delightful. Honestly, it's fun to watch kids enjoy those. And, and so I thought of God being the source of love, and what that means is, uh, wherever love bubbles up in the world, true love, real love, genuine love, that's, that's, that's from God. It wouldn't be here without Him. Love is at the very core of who God is. And it bubbles up in our lives because of Him. It wouldn't be here if it wasn't a part of who He is. Love is a part of our world because of the character of the one who made it. It's, it's, it's who he is. So love turns out to be a universal need, and we sing about it a lot. I was thinking about this, getting ready for it. We, there are countless songs about the basic need we have and desire and longing we have for love. I, I want you to listen to this compilation. The words are on the screen. Just a few little snippets of songs uh, about love. Let's listen to this. snippets of a few songs that show how important love is to us. I mean, we could sit here for hours, really, and listen to snippet after snippet, just a, a little phrase like from each of those, and sit, sit here for hours about all the songs that have been written about love and how we're looking for love, and sometimes we're looking for love in all the wrong places. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of songs, okay? <laughs> But you get the idea. It's, it's really at the heart of what we long for. And it's at the heart of what we know makes life really delightful, like the splash pads. Whenever love bubbles up, it adds a real delight to life. And, and we, we really want to experience it. And there's something about us, the way we're made, and sometimes it gets twisted in things by uh, what's going on in the world and in us, but there's something in the way we're made where we really want to show love to people around us. There's, there's this desire. It reflects the image of the God who made us. This is, this is from Him. If He wasn't love, we, we wouldn't 
be concerned about loving others. The 1960s ushered in a movement which began with what some called Summer of Love. A couple of those songs were, were from that era. Um, members of this movement were known as hippies. And their songs, uh, their slogans were love, not hate, peace, not war. You know, make love, not war. Uh, hippies were looked down upon by the establishment. Here's a sign. I get a kick out of this sign. It was a leftover. Hippies use the side door. Because, you know, the establishment didn't really appreciate the hippies who were so free with life and everything. In fact, uh, one of the cornerstones of the movement was free love. That, that, was, a big, that was a big deal. And actually, there was a, a movement among that generation called the Jesus Movement that grew out of that. And uh, I was caught up in some of that. Uh, when I was younger. But in contrast to free love, what you find in the Bible is that God's love is very expensive. It's costly. It costs Him a great deal. And, and genuine love costs us a great deal when we're trying to show it to the people around us. It's expensive. And without keeping love within God's boundaries, which the hippies had some struggles with that, it was all over the place. Free love, just wiping out the boundaries, going all over the place. Without keeping it in God's boundaries, it becomes very, very selfish and destructive. And so, God shows us what love really is. Jesus' followers used a specific word in the Greek whenever it talked about God's love. Thank you. I was hoping the hippie picture would get off the screen shortly. <laughs> um, in contrast to, to free love, uh, what I'm saying is God's love is very different. And John used a word that Christ followers picked up here in 1 John 4. And it's a specific word in the Greek that sort of had an empty meaning. It was a general word for love. But then Jesus' followers picked it up and they filled it with meaning. And the meaning they gave it is a special kind of love that God, God has for us and that God shows. John used that word here. It describes sacrificial love, costly love, expensive love. The love that God has shown us in Jesus Christ. It's pure. It's the deepest kind of love. It's aimed towards meeting our greatest needs in life and through eternity. This type of love only originates from God. When you see it bubbling up in life, it's God is the source. A sacrificial love like that only comes from Him. Whenever we love people sacrificially as a way of life, what John's saying here. When we love sacrificially as a way of life, like God loves us, we show that we know God personally. It's a major characteristic of those who know God in a personal way. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Here's some other characteristics of that love that we draw out of scriptures. God love, God's love is, for, is giving. It's giving. It takes action. It's not passive. The Bible says that God gave His only Son so that whoever believes on Him could have 
eternal life. God saw our need and He did something about it. 1 John 4, 9, In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. Sometimes in relationships, we play games. Uh, If you don't do what I want, then I'm just going to pull back. I'm going to not really invest in the relationships because you're not doing what I want. You actually have done something that didn't make me happy. And I'm going to take my ball and go home. Uh, We hold back what we could give because we're not pleased with the person. They haven't been thrilling to us. Or since you, you, know, you aren't treating me right, I'm going to make you pay. Not only am I going to hold back, but I'm going to make you pay. And we're, we're always trying to figure out the score in our relationships. We play games. Oh, you did this to me. I'm going to do that to you. You, you said that. Well, here's this. Get a load of this word you know, on, on that. And so we're, we're going back and forth. We're playing a game. We're trying to keep score. It's confusing, and it destroys relationships. God wanted to make it crystal clear that He loved us. And so, even when we didn't love Him back, in fact, even when we were sprinting our own way in rebellion, God sent Jesus Christ. He gave His Son, Jesus Christ, to die as the ultimate act of love on our behalf. His love is giving. He doesn't just see a need, but he steps in to meet the need. God's love is also forgiving. No love that we experience on earth is totally and absolutely secure. No human love. Promises are broken. Words and actions offend us. And those things aren't easily repaired. Uh, We're going to go back to 1 John in a few minutes, but I want to draw out just some characteristics of God's love from uh, a definition in 1 Corinthians 13. And this is what it says about love. Love is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. It's not keeping score. God's love is forgiving. It's a love that has the power to forgive, and it's priceless. This this makes a difference. This allows relationships to keep going. This has allowed the opportunity for us to continue to get into a relationship with God and continue to have that relationship. God is love, and He forgives those who believe in Christ and give their life back to Him. And we're going to talk more on that in a few minutes. Now, here's another interesting thing about God's love. God's love is without malice. Now, malice develops in us, in us humans, Uh, when we're hurt or offended or disappointed by the people around us. And it's a deep-seated ill will. And it's this just this ill will, this uh, constant upset that we have towards someone. God's love, God doesn't have malice in Him. God's love is completely unmixed with ill will toward us. That's hard to understand. God's love is the love of a judge, but it is not judgmental love like we experience on earth. 
In other words, his judgments, even his judgments flow out of his love and not ill will or malice. We, we give judgments out of this mixture of rightness and malice. We receive judgment as malice, as people, especially in our culture. We, we receive a, a judgment or an evaluation or even something that somebody says to try to help us figure out what's going wrong in our lives, we receive that as malice. Well, why do you hate me? Why do you have to say that to me? Why don't you be nice? <laughs> you know, isn't that what goes on in us? We, that's what we do. God's judgments, now this is hard to grasp, but God's judgments flow out of a desire, a pure desire to do right and good by the people he's made. And they themselves are acts of love. This is an important thing to understand about God. We, we have to really get a grip on this. We're going to understand how to relate to him and how he relates to us. First, first Corinthians 13.6 says, Love does not delight in evil. Evil means to do harm by others. God, God does not delight in evil. It's hard for us to grasp because we aren't perfect like God. When we're offended by someone we love, our native response is malice and our actions uh, might include straight malice back or some mixture of love and malice depending on who, who offends us. And we tend to do a worst-case analysis of whatever the person said or whatever the person did. And we attribute the worst kind of motives possible. Sometimes we get on a roll, you know, and it's like, oh, they, this is, they, they say two words and we write a commentary about what those words meant in our mind. And we begin to build this ill will toward them. We're doing this worst-case analysis. And while part of us may want to reconcile, there's another part that wants to hurt him back. And we've got to get to that. God's love means he never does anything out of malice. That, that's what it means. Whatever he does, it flows from his love. If you feel judgment from God, you know, we shy away from feeling judgment. But sometimes we feel legitimate guilt and legitimate shame. If you feel that, what he intends for you to do with it is go to him for forgiveness. You see, even his boundaries that keep love inside bounds, even his judgments, even the conscience that he gave us to feel guilt and shame, it's designed to bring us back to him so that he can help us find forgiveness in him and so that he can show us how to work through the thing we're involved in or dealing with or struggling with or whatever it is in a way that will be right before him and best for us. Even his judgments flow out of love. That's, that's how God is. Finally, God's love is unfailing. It never fails. This is almost incomprehensible for us to grasp uh, about God because we just don't operate this way. We've never met anybody who hasn't failed us, probably. Um, God's love, if we're honest anyway. 
God's love never fails at any point. It's always there. It's always available. So God's love is giving, forgiving. It's without malice. And it's unfailing. Now, why does that matter? Why? Why does that matter? It matters because knowing God makes a difference in the way we do life and in the way that we relate to other people. For instance, if you're married, God's love is the standard. It's the template. You find in Scripture, it's the template for how to really love your spouse. He shows the way. God shows us how. If you're struggling in friendships, again, it's, it's God's love that sets a direction when our way of relating keeps bringing hurt. It, it, it guides us. It's the example. It's the template. God's love makes all the difference because God, knowing God's love changes me and it changes you. This, this is why it matters. 1 John 4.10 And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Isn't that a good word? Propitiation. Uh, that, it just means that God sent Jesus. We, our sin, our rebellion against God, God made us. It's right to do what the one who made you wants you to do, but we haven't. The Bible says we've sinned. We've gone our own way walking directly the opposite direction from God. And there's a sense that that brings God's judgment on us. Not, not just a sense, it does. God's judgment is on us because of that. The word propitiation means that God diverted his judgment from us to Jesus Christ. And he took it on himself. Now that is a judgment of love. So in other words, we don't, if we believe, if we put our complete faith in Jesus Christ and trust what he's done on the cross, we don't get the judgment we deserved. That is a love that changes you. That's a love that changes me. It makes me a different person if I actually begin to experience this and understand this. You see, God loving us is the bedrock for all of life and everything we should do. God's not an idea. He's not just an idea that you put on a shelf in a library and you pull him down sometimes and think about him. He is a living person. He's a living person who made this world. He had the power to make this world. And he has loved us and shown us how to love the people around us. Now, while knowing his character and essence is crucial. Knowledge about him isn't enough. We need to know him personally. And what John says here is, <clears throat> in the verses before, in 7 and 8 and 9, is we need to be born of God and, and come to know him. The Bible says that every one of us, we've sinned, as I mentioned. Sin separates us from God. And since we're born into sin... We need to be born of God. We need to be born again. It's possible to be born again because God sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins and he raised from the dead on the third day. You can check that out. That's a historical event. <clears throat> you can look into it and make your own decision about whether that really happened. But that's the basis for our new life. 
That's the kind of love that God's shown us. Our sin, our decision to rebel, <coughs> excuse me, and live life independently from God, is so uh, has separated us from Him. But He brought us back together in Jesus Christ. That's what He's saying there in that passage. <clears throat> we get to know God and are born of God when we accept. <coughs> Excuse me. When we accept what Jesus has done for us on the cross, that's, that's how we get to know God. That's how we experience His love. Many people surrender. We feel love. We feel the love. And we surrender to the feeling of love. Another song I thought of, you know, B.J. Thomas. I liked him for a while. I don't know if you ever heard of him. But I can't fight this feeling deep inside of me. Girl, you just don't realize what you do to me. <laughs> you know, we feel love, and we sometimes surrender to the feeling of love. However, feelings change. They come and go. They can't be fully, fully trusted because they're here and then they're gone. We're far better to surrender to the one who is the source of love, to God himself. If you surrender to Him, He doesn't change. He, he connects you to His kind of love and His kind of power that helps you change and live a different kind of life with a different kind of love. God sent Jesus Christ so we have a picture of what love is so that we could be forgiven, so that He could take the judgment that we deserve on Himself. And that is what it means when it says God is love, when you find that he is. If Jesus is going to come into your life, what he wants to do is he wants to be the Lord of your life. He accepts you like you are. You don't have to clean yourself up before you give your life to him. But you do need to be willing to allow him to change anything that he shows you he wants to change in your life. And I'd like to just give you a, a brief summary from the Bible of how to give your life to Christ, because I know you may be considering that. What does it take to know God and his love? How do I know God's love? Well, here's the summary. I believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sin and rose again. That's a point to investigate. That's the first thing. Uh, I need to admit that I'm a sinner, that I've rebelled against God, that I've gone my own way. I need to agree to turn from my sin and turn toward you, toward God. I acknowledge that you are my Lord. I acknowledge that Jesus is my Lord, and I accept God's free gift of eternal life in him. That's how you do it. If you aren't ready to commit your life to Christ yet, use that outline to investigate him. Believe, we need to believe that he died on the cross to pay for our sin was raised again. Admit that I'm a sinner. Use those, those ideas to investigate him. That's what you need to know. This, this is a summary of how you come to know God and his love for you. When you can say these things with all your heart and soul and mind, that's what changes you. This is what changes me and has changed me. 
Knowing God's love changes the way I relate to other people, 1 John 4, 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Loving our kids, friends, co-workers takes on new meaning when we consider the extent of how much God has loved us. God's our model, and as we become more like Him by doing life His way, we, we can love like He does. As he changes us, as we give our life to him, he, he comes in in the person of his spirit and begins to change us. And so, how does his love change us? How can we expect it to change us? First of all, he's going to lead us to take action to show kindness to people. Like, I, I stayed with some friends in Fort Worth about a week ago, and they know I love oatmeal. Steel-cut oatmeal. They like rolled oats, I found out. They eat rolled oats in the morning. Cold, rolled oats with milk. But they knew I was coming. They showed consideration to me. Got some steel-cut steel oats that I could heat up and eat. That's, we take action to show kindness, consideration to the people around us. As we see things they need and things they enjoy, we take action. That's what God did to us. He saw what we needed, and he stooped our level in the person of Jesus Christ, and he showed tremendous kindness to us by dying on the cross for our our sake, on our behalf. So that's, that's one thing God's going to lead us to do at home, running errands, work. Uh, you see people that need help with their goals, and, and you step out, you take action, meet their need, help them with their goals. Second thing it means is he's going to lead us to be patient and slow to anger. God's love changes the way we relate to our family and our friends and our co-workers, because he cuts us so much slack. He forgives us. And so we're slower to anger. We're patient and kind like he is as we allow him to change us. As, as over time, this is what he's going to be doing. God's love also shows me how to think the best of others in the right way. We live in a cynical wor- world. Uh, and... Uh, with the way social media flows, opinions and judgments come like tidal waves. And they aren't judgments of love like God's. So God's kind of love holds to the truth, but it doesn't allow conflict and wrongs to create distance, the wrong kind of distance in relationships. When you come to know God and his love, nothing else is needed. It's, it's the found, he is the foundation to make life and relationships work, and he is love. As you walk with him, he'll help you figure out how to show that kind of love to other people. Uh, I'd like to ask you in closing to take out the connection card, if you would. And on that connection card, there are some next steps that you may want to take related to what I've talked about this morning. Uh, feel free to think through some steps on your own if God has uh, laid those on your heart. But here are some suggestions. First one, my next step today is to, uh, for the first time, accept Jesus as my Savior and follow Him as Lord. Maybe you've never made that decision to put your life in His hands, to trust Him with your life. That's a step you could take. Second suggestion is to extend love to someone this week by showing kindness, being patient, thinking the best. You could circle one of those or add right in. You can have a write-in vote and and write your own step in that you're going to take to show love to people 
in your life this week. And then the final one would be to attend the rest of this series or, and invite a friend. We're going to be talking about who God is, what you find out about Him in Scripture, and what kind of difference that makes in our lives. It makes a tremendous amount of difference for us as we, as we live our life. Let's dig into that over these next several weeks. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your kindness, your love, and uh, e- even your, just your judgment of love that flows toward us that really we know in our heart of hearts that's right. So Father, I pray that you would uh, really help us to experience um, love in the, in the right way from you and turn from going our own way to do what pleases you and honors you in life. We ask for your help in this, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.